Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast Series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 73, and the topic for today is questions about relationships. And I'm joined on this podcast this time again with Mandy Kloppers, a UK psychologist that has been with us in the past as well. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you, Carl. Good to be here. Good to be back again. Well, I asked Mandy to join me in this session because of the topics that we will be going through. She also has particular expertise in this area as well as many others. But the way that we got to this topic of questions about relationships was that a listener some time ago suggested that we do podcasts that would just go through a series of questions from listeners rather than having one topic for the entire session. And we did one episode, which was episode 59, which was dedicated to listener questions and got really good feedback from that. So decided to do another one of these. So I put on the Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash life habits, a request for people to send me via email any questions they would like to have me address. And I got a number of questions, but there was a theme of about three or four questions all having to do with relationships. So I thought for this session, even though it's a topical session on uh, listener questions, it seemed like the relationships theme is one that we should probably do. And that's also why I brought in Mandy for the session. Wanted to also just mention that there was a previous episode that we did. It was episode 31 that was on relationships as well, very broadly speaking relationships. So uh, you might want to go back and read or listen to that one as well. And just a reminder too, that all of the advice and the quote and the like are also on lifehabits.net. Now, let's get started first with uh, just collected three quotes about the whole concept of questions and questions and answers and how important that really is. And the first quote is by Thomas Berger, who says, the art and science of asking questions is the source of all knowledge. John Abbott said, how do you know so much about everything? was asked of a very wise and intelligent man. And the answer was, by never being afraid or ashamed to ask questions as to anything of which I was ignorant. I subscribe heavily to that notion. And the last quote is from Anthony Robbins, who says, questions provide the key to unlocking our unlimited potential. So I think those get us into this notion that some of the time when you ask questions, you get at the heart and the essence of some of the challenges that we're facing. And I think the three questions that Mandy and I will be going through really also reinforce that. And so these questions were submitted through email as well as in the lifehabits.net website. I want to also mention that uh, while I'll be using names, the names are actually pseudonyms because these are more personal topics and so I won't use your real name. So the first topic is how to deal with infidelity. And Greg wrote, and I quote, I actually suggested this topic of dealing with infidelity because I know from personal bitter experience that it is an extremely difficult issue to deal with. It is a complicated problem, and it would be very helpful if you could come up with a podcast episode that deals with how to cope with the tension as well as how to understand the struggle between commitment and freedom in relationships. And before we get into more of the detail in terms of, you know, advice on this topic, I just wanted to draw attention to some of the statistics. And when you look at relationships outside of a marriage, 
I looked at a whole lot of estimates of the incidence of that, and they range from 15% to uh, as high as 55%. So there's a fair bit of this going on. And people were asked whether they would engage in a relationship outside of marriage if they couldn't get caught. What percentage of people would say that they would do that? And the average is 70%. There's a lot of tension in this area that leads to a lot of this kind of behavior behavior. And so I think it's important to understand that this isn't some isolated desire that people have, that this is something that is core to kind of the human condition. And as we'll get into in some of the comments, it's also all about how all of that is managed. Certain people obviously be able to stick to and be very happy in a single relationship with another person for their entire lives, and yet others also have a lot of the challenges with what we're calling infidelity. But I wanted to just start that conversation off by saying this is fairly prevalent, and there are a variety of things that I think we need to think through in terms of how to deal with this topic as well. So Mandy, this is a, a rather pervasive experience but yet is also one that is probably the most painful of many of the experiences that we have. What would you suggest to Greg with regard to how he can deal with infidelity? Right. Well, as you say, this is quite a, an interesting topic, and it is a very common occurrence. I see a lot of clients that you know, come to me because there's been infidelity and they want to try and work through their issues together. I think it's very important if you... There's two choices that you can make when you find out about infidelity. The first is that you can say that's the end of the relationship and, and try to move on and work with those feelings. Or you can try and stick together and try and work through the issues. But the thing that I come across time and time again is couples who try to work through these issues together. I don't think they, they anticipate how difficult the emotional journey can be. It is possible to get through it, but there's a lot of communication that needs to take place the hurt partner, the one that's been cheated on, often finds it very difficult to get over what's happened. So they constantly throw that back into the relationship and say, I can't trust you. So they often come to therapy and part of the therapy is to try and help them to get the whole thing out in the open, talk about it, ask all the questions that need to be asked and almost like reset the relationship and, and go from a new level. But it's really damaging and destructive when the past keeps being brought up and that can sort of sit with the relationship for a long time and cause issues. Personally and professionally, I, I do think it's a very common thing that happens, unfortunately. I, I just, I see it all the time. And I suppose it's because people come to me with their underlying issues that they don't show to the rest of the world. So I get to see what's really going on. Especially I have a lot of male clients who say to me they find it really hard because often what, what is quite common is that the wife doesn't really want to be physically intimate as much. Whereas men still have this need, so that becomes an issue. Um, that causes couples to grow apart. And then also I think complacency is, is very dangerous. From the woman's perspective, she likes to still have compliments and be told she looks lovely. And, you know, people get used to each other and they stop doing this. And the woman stops making an effort in the bedroom. And <laughs> I see that, that that being a very, very common situation that occurs. I, I spoke to a friend recently, actually, and he, he said he was unfaithful a long time ago at the beginning of his marriage and he said he only realized how hurtful it can be when his wife recently had an affair and the tables returned. It's an awful thing, you know, you, you sit and think, do I know this person? The reality of, of my life is, is that was, you know, it wasn't really what I thought it was. There's a lot of issues that come up and I think the best thing is to be completely open, talk about things, commit to a, a rough ride for at least, I'd say, a year at least. 
before things can sort of get back on track. But I'm trying to think what other sort of things that he could do. It's just a very emotional time. And again, like you said, it's so common and so many people go through it, but a lot of people don't talk about it because it's kind of taboo. They don't want the rest of the world to know that, that their relationship isn't great on the outside. You know, it looks great on the outside, but there's often rumblings underneath. Well, there's some really good themes that you gave there, Mandy. I mean, one is overall communication, especially if you've been together for some time. As you said, you get into a rut. You get into just expecting things to be a particular way. And it's useful. And, you know, instances of infidelity are a huge wake-up call to say, you know what? Hey, we started off in our relationship together and had certain excitements and certain focus on making sure the relationship was good. And then after a while, you sort to take each other for granted. And if one partner in particular is unhappy with that, engages in some extra marital relationships, doesn't mean that the relationship is necessarily over. It's a matter of coming back and saying, ah, understand what each other's needs are, the emotional needs, physical, spiritual, intellectual. There's a variety of aspects to each of our relationships. And I think that resetting again, and getting reconnected with one another on those topics are important. And it takes talk of where each of you are at with regard to those topics and what you might want to do to improve the situation as well. And the the other one, we talked about how common this is and that I think it also fundamentally comes down to, you know, a topic I think you got to as well, Mandy, of trust. A lot of the time when you read sort of reactions to instances of infidelity, it isn't so much the physical intimacy that somebody else may have had. It may not be any number of aspects of the infidelity other than the lying or the the distrust that it introduced. And if you can reestablish that trust partly by being really open and uh, you know, realizing that there's not a single way to have a relationship, right? Uh, this is really an agreement between two people. And if you want to propose alternative ways of dealing with maybe the ways in which you see things differently, there's wide range of possibilities of the way that you could actually still be together and appropriately address sort of the issues that came up during an incidence of uh, infidelity and then get to the level of trust so that you are, you know, open and honest with one another and that you don't again you know suffer through the the mistrust that comes from lying and doing things behind each other's back as well so i think those are the themes that i i know picked up on some of the things you were saying mandy and some of the ones that i think that i've also heard and seen in the literature so any further thoughts do you have mandy on this topic yes i'd like to also say that often not always but often there are warning signs that um, things are not well one of the partners will try and talk or say, I'm not happy about this or, you know, try. there's often, there are warning signs, but people get so wrapped up in their work or other things where they, you know, they, they don't do reality checks or kind of health checks on the relationships regularly enough. And before they know it, they've, they've grown apart. Um, but often there are warning signs, but you've just got to be in tune. And, you know, there could be that somebody's working later or you're spending less and less time together, you're not eating dinner together. The affections dropping, you're not sort of saying kissing hello and goodbye. You know, date night, I always think that's a brilliant thing to try and keep things on track. But there are, you know, to try and make people feel a bit better about infidelity, there often are warning signs. And if you're in tune to those and you, you know, stop every now and then and just, you know, maybe once every two, three months or once every six months, depending, um, and just and just figure out how close you are and if you're growing apart and, and try, try and reconnect. I love the saying... Um, relationships are like gardens they need to be tended and if they 
if they're neglected, they start to grow weeds. And it's kind of like relationships are the same. They're, they're hard work. I don't know any relationship that just sails through. I, you know, we all go through ups and downs and phases of really being annoyed by our partners and thinking, why did I ever marry this person? That's all really normal. But, you know, it's about looking at the bigger picture and, and also reminding yourself of why you first started being with that person and what you loved about them. But it does take work. It's it's hard slog. You know, no relationships just run indefinitely without any um, effort. You mentioned the notion of phases as well of life and how, you know, that can introduce more of a challenge with regard to married relationships and that when uh, typical ones that people experience, you know, one of them is when children come along and that the nature of being freewheeling, you know, two people together and, you know, every night is date night kind of approach to one of now your parents and that changes, you know, the sort of perspective. And you mentioned the notion of date night. You're married with kids. It's still important to go out and have a special, you know, night once a week or whatever that doesn't involve the kids so that you still spend time with this very important person that you chose to marry and that you wanted to spend significant time with and to, in fact, uh, do that. The other one that you mentioned was a lot of focus on work and, you know, a lot of travel can also be uh, where one partner travels a fair bit and the other doesn't. And that can be necessary for a lot of types of work, but can be a huge churn and a real challenge to you know relationships as well. There's a bunch of ideas there. I hope, Greg, those are ideas that you can adopt and uh, deal with in terms of your own experiences. And let us know too at uh, lifehabits at gmail.com how that went. So let's go down to the second topic, The second topic is getting over a failed relationship. Robin wrote, "Uh, I'd like to know how to help a friend move on beyond a devastatingly failed relationship with her significant other. The context here being that of encouraging self-esteem and positive future outlook. I've got two friends who broke up with their exes. Uh, Both think they will never love anybody else ever again. And here again, just some stats somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50% of all marriages break up. So again, divorces are quite common. And they really, really, really hurt. And my sense is that these things take some time to even just go through the hurt. There's nothing that you can do immediately afterwards, I would suggest, that is going to remove that hurt. It's going to, you know, hurt for some period of time, some more than others. And I think as, as Mandy had mentioned earlier as well, it's also harder often for the partner that was, you know, left rather than the one that was leaving in these kinds of environments. It also has more of an impact on self-esteem, as was mentioned here as well. And I think there's a a sense of understanding just for your own insight when you've gone through one of these experiences that the reality is that there usually is some problem on both sides of a relationship that lead to this kind of breakup, including your own culpability, even though often that isn't acknowledged when you're in the throes of going through a divorce. But I think afterwards it makes sense to step back and take stock of yourself and look to ways in which you can improve yourself so that you won't necessarily find yourself in that kind of a situation again as well. And, you know, my sense is that after you've given it sufficient time to recover and realize that it's going to take some time to do that, to get uh, geared up and get socially active again. And my advice, at least, uh, and, and Mandy will 
contribute her thoughts in a second here is the not to necessarily be looking completely for just another partner that all of your effort in getting more socially again is all focused on well I got to go here got to go here because I'm going to find this replacement partner that's probably not a good strategy to begin with I think it's good to just be socially again get used to the notion of dating if you've been in a long-term relationship long-term marriage you're probably you know not up to speed on what what it's like to be single again and so you may need to develop and further hone your skills of being single and it may also be an idea as actually mandy and i've talked about on a previous episode as well the notion of taking a vacation out of your you know day-to-day you know life where you live to totally get out of the environment you're in and also to practice your skills so if you're going to meet new people and you're going to describe yourself or the way you're going to carry yourself and present yourself. It's a great, I think, approach to doing that, to do that among strangers first so that people aren't just, you know, evaluating you compared to the old you versus the new you, that you can uh, you can practice those skills. So anyway, those are my initial thoughts. Uh, Mandy, over to you. What are your thoughts in terms of what kinds of help we can provide Robin and her friends that are going through these or have gone through these divorces? I agree with a lot of what you've said. I mean, what we're talking about now is one of the most emotionally intense moments of, of a person's life is you know, infidelity and relationships breaking up. And it, it, it's quite normal to, for it to knock your confidence uh, quite dramatically. Um, and I think it's important to have a bit of wallow time and a bit of poor me, self-pity time. But then it's also important to stop the why me and it's so unfair and, and think about, okay, how am I going to move forward? What what do I need to do to pull myself forward? But obviously, there's no way that you can sidestep the emotions of this fallout, I mean, the, the relationship fallout. As you were saying, it's something that you just have to get through, but look at it as a learning curve, as a lesson. I think it's, it's a great opportunity to get to know yourself. I often see in relationships that um, people tend to lose themselves a little bit. They lose their identity. If it's a really bad relationship and quite a destructive relationship, they, they often I see this shell of a person that comes to see me. They've forgotten who they are, what they like. They've changed themselves to fit in with, with this relationship that actually wasn't bringing out the best in them. And often I work together with them to, to think about what I think is really good to do is make a list of all the negatives of the relationship and all the reasons why you shouldn't be in it anymore and what, what it wasn't doing for you and all the positives about what might be ahead. You're trying to be optimistic and hopeful about the future. And give yourself a bit of time. Be kind to yourself. Don't be hard on yourself because this is a huge shock to the system, being single again. Um, and, you know, again, you've got to readjust your idea of your own identity and you're not with this person. And it's really important to watch your thinking as well because we can get really down on ourselves and feel that, oh, we'll never find somebody else or nobody will love us or we'll never love the next person as much. And that's normal thinking, but it, it will pass. Um, so realize that that thinking is part of the healing process and that eventually you'll come out of it and hopefully know yourself better and be a lot happier. I've been in relationships that didn't really work for me and... I've been single now five months. I've actually had some of the happiest times of my life. And it's because I'm really in tune with who I am and what I want to do. And uh, so there's, there's good and bad to everything. And I think moving forward with an idea of hope that things will be great and you'll find somebody again. And like you said, I agree with you that don't go out straight away and look for somebody else to fill that void. I think personal development, looking after yourself, finally getting, doing those things you possibly didn't do in the relationship, all those things, that, that, that's the positive way to push through this. 
excellent advice and I hope Robin that is helpful with advice that you can give your friends who are going through that very very difficult probably among the most difficult experiences of life okay let's get on to the last topic which is dealing with parents as they're progressing through a divorce so we've uh, progressed from infidelity to sort of failed relationships divorces now a slightly different perspective on it and francis wrote i'd like advice on dealing with parents who are going through a divorce picking sides dealing with the mudslinging and the pain again we've talked thus far about the people that are involved in these relationships and the breakup of these relationships and the like there's also more people than that involved to And if there are children involved, we also have them experiencing this overall process as well. And it's tough. This is, again, one of the more difficult experiences that children of various ages would go through as well. And so I think this is one that all these will be different in various ways. So it's hard to be really general uh, about them. But I think in general, the advice that, that I would give with regard to the examples that you give, Francis, in terms of you know, picking sides, for example, I think in general, not a good thing to take sides. It's uh, this is between the two people involved. This is between the parents. And that I think that for the benefit, and I've seen a number of people go through this, for the benefit of the relationship that you will have with one or both of your parents after divorce, it's a whole lot more beneficial to developing those relationships after the divorce if you didn't take sides and you weren't, you know, embroiled in all of the same issues and all that. Leave that to the parents. They're the ones that are going through this and try not to get involved as much as I know that really is probably a challenge in many cases as well. Mandy, what what are your thoughts in terms of this request for how to deal as a, a child, somebody that's Uh, going through and observing what's happening to their parents, how to deal with that and dealing with the pain there as well. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I, um, unfortunately, I've seen the fallout from divorces and how nasty it can get. And parents invariably end up dragging the children into it and using the children as pawns in, in the whole game of money and it gets so nasty and I'm amazed at at the raw emotion and the the nastiness and bitterness that can come out and people completely change and the poor kids often get um, pulled into this. I mean I I recently had had a couple where the children were being dragged into court and asked who they wanted to live with and uh, you know the parents were involving them and saying horrible things about the the other parent and it's awful for the kids because they don't want to be forced to to choose sides as you were saying that you know that keeping the children out is the best thing possible the ch- children are on their own as well they're dealing with the whole unsettled breakup and where they're going to live and their parents aren't together anymore this in fact may even affect their own ideas of relationships as they get older especially if it's acrimonious so it's really important to try and just be as mature as possible get everything dealt with in a functional practical way to do with the house and money and you know, who's going to see the children when, and focus on the fact that hopefully there'll be two happy homes at the end of it rather than one unhappy home where the children are constantly witnessing arguments and a tense environment because that's not, you know, they'll be healthier in a happy two homes that are separate and happy rather than one that's... I see a lot of people who want to stay together for the sake of the children. I think that's the worst mistake ever, unless, of course, you're trying to work at it still and there's hope, but... Staying together just for the for the children is is an awful mistake to make. So I think it's, happy, it's happier days for the kids if they can have separate homes that are balanced and happy, and 
maybe talking to the children about that as well, that mum and dad, if they're happier separate, we still love you both. We, you know, the love of the parents has to be consistent and keeping their routines as stable as possible can help as well. But again, we're talking about raw emotion, tricky times. Often people have been together 20 years. They've built up a life together and suddenly everything's got to be split. And often people are older in life as well. So there's a lot of variables that come together. And then step families. Yeah, so it's a tricky one. But I think just keeping the children's best interest at heart and trying to keep emotion out of it and being as decent and mature as possible is the best way forward. Yeah, there's also, I think, I think you were mentioning as well that there are different aspects that are important at different ages of the children, right? If they're really young, you know, most research shows that a lot of children blame themselves for uh, a divorce, which is usually absolutely not the case. And yet that's one of the things that they're dealing with. And so the advice that you just gave, Mandy, of dispelling any of that and still reinforcing that despite the fact that mom and dad are going through this breakup and still reinforcing and being supportive of the children at that age. I think the older children in terms of the ones that I've observed may typically get more involved in trying to you know side with one or the other and there again and there's anger sort of involved there's a notion of these are people that you've trusted that have been pillars of your experience uh, with life thus far that now are going through and uh, you know suffering some you know pain themselves as they go through you know this process and so everybody involved has significant sort of stress and pain but i think the other message that uh, you were also giving was that ultimately two happy homes that they can share in is really the the ideal and a lot of the time that is achieved if the process is carried out appropriately as well with the advice they're sort of giving here of not getting embroiled in it and not being uh, you know pawns in the overall process and and getting appropriate sort of support which would also in certain cases be professional support as well we should point out i think in each of these cases and the theme is that way across all of the episodes that we do together or many of them here when we talk about certain topics there's certain things you can deal with in your life yourself self help wise by listening to a podcast and getting some insight and then being able to change behavior there are also instances where you know as mandy and i talked about in the last episode that she and i did together which was episode 67 types of help talked about the whole notion of what kinds of situations and what kinds of intensities of experience make sense to seek professional help for and what types of professional help to seek. And so the whole notion of marriage counseling in terms of the other uh, examples that we gave in terms of the infidelity as well as a psychologist to help with recovering from a uh, failed relationship and divorce as well as, you know, the helping children through the experience of going through their parents' divorce as well. I think all of those, there's a certain level of depth of experience that may well require, you know, professional help as well. Mandy, if you want to add anything to that and our sort of wrapping up for these topics before we get to, I just wanted to read three bits of feedback that we got on the podcast as well. Any final thoughts on these ones, Mandy? Yes, just I want to say one last thing, that often when um, children are witnessing their parents going through a divorce, it might often be the first time they're seeing their parents lose the plot and get emotional and have have emotional outbursts, and, and that can be quite confusing for children and unsettling. But it could also be a good opportunity to show children how you deal with adversity and how you deal with raw emotion. And if, if you can be a good role model, just remember your children are watching and learning all the time, seeing how you deal with it. You could actually be helping them develop good life skills 
on some level. There's some positive to be taken out of that. But it also shows how important it is to try and keep it together in front of the children. And obviously, we can't always rule humans, but they will be watching and learning from how you're dealing with the adversity. Really good point. And I just reinforce as well again then that, again, across most of these episodes that we talk about and also the advice that Mandy had given earlier with regard to these previous topics as well, that as much as some of these kinds of experiences are devastating or that are the most significant experiences we've gone through, there's an opportunity if we really have a focus, a growth mindset approach to these kinds of problems, that when you get past them and even while you're going through them you can glean a lot more insight about yourself it's a great opportunity to do that and you can end up yourself or your whole family and your relationship with your partner and also your children everybody on the tail end of these kinds of experiences can be even better than they were to begin with with the appropriate focus on this as well and those of you who are listening to this podcast series i celebrate often your interest in trying to improve yourselves to go through these topics to have this focus to get additional insight into the ways in which you can improve yourself i think that kind of an approach to these topics and in your help of other people and friends around you as well i think is really admirable and i think you have a great likelihood of being very successful at getting past these kinds of challenges as well so let me just uh, read a couple of bits of feedback as we usually do toward the end of these podcasts the first one comes from the U.S. iTunes store, says, I'm in love. Five-star feedback from somebody by the name of Delal, who wrote, I'm in love with this podcast. The knowledge and wisdom that the podcast presents is incredible. You can't put a price on this. I feel like there's a person talking to me, trying to advise me, which is wonderfully comforting and motivating. This guy knows what he's talking about. Keep it up. So thanks so much, Delal. That was a, a delight to read. And got an email from Ruby, who said, I made 43 CDs of what I consider to be your greatest hits podcasts and mailed them out to family and friends yesterday. I included notes that said, make copies, pay it forward like the movie. So Ruby, great idea. I mean, some people don't have access to the internet, to iTunes and that kind of thing. And you know, this podcast is free and we want to you know, provide whatever information that we give here out to anybody that would find it uh, useful. So by all means, go ahead and uh, create some CDs and pay them forward in terms of uh, giving them to others as well. And the last bit of feedback is on the website, lifehabits.net from Amy in Australia says, uh, Hi Carl, thanks so much for your uh, compassion and kindness. I can hear it in your voice. I find your suggestions and recommendations not only a relief, thank God I found someone that can help, uh, but very practical. I feel that I can manage my stress and that I will make it. And so thanks so much, Amy, for that. And I also wanted to just mention in wrapping up as well, uh, Mandy and I were talking about that uh, there are some additional uh, reading material on these topics that we've talked about that we'll find a way to communicate on lifehabits.net where you can find that additional information so you can read further on these I think very important topics that we've gone through here and we've only really scratched the surface of trying to provide you some feedback on this so further readings will be available there and then as you know Mandy is also a practicing psychologist in the UK and uh, Mandy how can people find out where to get in contact with you? Uh, they can get in contact with me through my website, which is at www.mandyjane-lifedesign.com. And I also have a blog, which is at www.counselingandtherapy.blogspot.com. 
www.thelaborationsofdesignwork.com. So I think either of those would be a good start. And, and there is a way to email me through the website if anyone has questions. Great stuff, Mandy. And I read those sources regularly. And Mandy does touch on these topics that we've talked about here fairly frequently. So there's lots more advice and insight at the locations that uh, Mandy mentioned. So that's it for this episode. We hope that the information provided here will be of use to you that have both ask the questions to begin with, but also those of the rest of you obviously are also listening. I want to thank Mandy again for your participation in this uh, session again. Thank you for asking for my input. It's always a pleasure to work with you, Carl. Thank you. Likewise, and we'll do it again. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you all next time, and bye for now.